Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. If you can stand with me this morning in honor to the reading of the word of the Lord. Again, we are so happy to have you, amen, here with us. See all the various faces out there. Some of you from time to time come and visit us on these occasions and days, and we're thankful that you do. Amen. Come and be a part, amen, of our family. I can't but think this morning, uh, Brother Peterson, I was looking out and seeing all these different faces, and I seen your face. And I know we haven't seen each other for some time, but I just felt like mom was here your mom, Nadine, I thought, man, she would have been here if she was still around. But to see you here, I know that she is smiling today. Knowing that you've come to represent their family. Amen. And I appreciate you for that. Amen. We're glad to have you. And everyone, we're glad to have you. That just struck me. This one wise up here sitting. Uh, we're glad to have each one of you regardless. Amen. Sister Nadine was his mother and was a precious saint of this church for years upon years. So faithful to God's house. And so we're just happy to have him. Just made me think of her. Amen. This morning. Leviticus. Of all places to take an Easter message. Leviticus. Seriously. Most people, a lot of people just skip over Leviticus. But I hope we can just pluck something from here today. Leviticus chapter number 6, verse number 24, starting. The Bible states these words. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his son, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest that offereth it for sin shall eat it. In the holy place shall it be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of the congregation. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. When there is sprinkled of the blood thereof upon any garment, thou shalt wash that whereon it was sprinkled in the holy place. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden, shall be broken and if it be sodden in a brazen pot it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water amen i'm hoping with the help of the lord i can make sense out of all this for everyone here today but i want to minister along this line just three words very simple never the same never the same hallelujah can us just one more time can we lift our voices talk to the lord that he would help us for the next few moments jesus i come to you this morning lord i'm asking god for your anointing god in this place to fall make itself known in this house i pray lord for acceptable words as even solomon asked for i pray god for acceptable words God, to be able to make this, Lord Jesus, God, connect and understood, Lord God, for these people that are here today. We're thankful, God, for them. God, we do not take it lightly. We do not handle them, Lord Jesus, inappropriately. But, God, we understand, God, our responsibility today. God, with these, Lord, in our presence, help us, God, to do right by them and by the Holy Ghost. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. 
Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and tell them, never the same. Never the same. The story of the entirety of the scriptures, what we call the Holy Bible, leading through the Old Testament up to and including Calvary, which we are celebrating today, it's all a story of sacrifice. As early as the coats of skins that were provided for the first family, Adam and Eve, to the very last of the innumerable Paschal or Passover lambs that were being slain the same time that Jesus was being crucified on the cross. From then until that moment, it's a narrative of sacrifice. Sacrifice was the way that people secured communion with God. It was a way by which they honed their relationship with God. People through and by sacrifice maintained fellowship with God. However, there was another proponent in the word, and that was sin. Sin was a separator. It only takes a perusal, if you will, of the first few chapters of Genesis in the Old Testament to discover that. No sooner had Adam and Eve sinned in the garden than the Bible says we find them hiding among the trees from the presence of the Lord. Sin even drove them and left them to the outskirts of the sacred limits of the Garden of Eden that God had originally placed them in. Sin left them estranged from the tree of life that was in the midst of that garden. Sin and its consequences just continued to erode and impact the first family in so much so that sin would prompt Cain to, to kill his brother Abel and to result in him being a fugitive and a vagabond. So much so that the Bible says Cain would go out from the presence of the Lord. And so this idea and concept of sin just began to compound and intensify and become worse to the place that it was sin in reality that brought the judgment of God upon the world by means of a flood. Amen. And yet God would promise Noah and his family and all those that were alive after the flood every living thing that he would not smite every living thing again because whenever Noah exited the ark, the Bible says he built an altar and he offered up sacrifice unto the Lord. Noah wanted to get back the world as it were in communion, fellowship, and relationship with God. And so God's saying although man was full of wickedness and his heart was continually evil and upon evil things, he said if there's though going to be some among them that will draw close, lend an ear, give of themselves through sacrifice, then I'll spare everyone just for the few that's going to have a relationship with me. Amen. The Bible tells us all throughout the scriptures that it was the blood and the sacrifice of a lamb in the book of Exodus that distinguished the houses of the children of Israel from those of the Egyptians. And that distinction of that lamb sacrificed and the blood, amen, put those people in covenant with God. 
It spared their homes when the Bible says a deaf angel passed over them. Would have taken the firstborn of every individual, of every individual family. But because of the sacrifice of the lamb and of the blood, those homes were protected. All through the, all through the wilderness, there's a tabernacle. There's, there's sacrifices being made. Ram and goats and lambs. Blood was being shed. When the tabernacle switched to being a temple, again, a more permanent building, there were sacrifices being made. The blood upon the floor of the temple was continuously flowing due to all the sacrifices that had been taking place in that building and in that edifice. It was that way. Sacrifice was the way that it bridged the gap between God and man, between sinful humanity and a holy God. Sacrifice was a means of worship. God asked Abraham early on, he said, Abraham, I'm asking you for your only begotten son, Isaac. Go up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Yet as Abraham went to that prescribed spot in the mountain to sacrifice his only son, he told his servants, he said for me to go sacrifice, but we're going to go worship. And Abraham made that connection that worship is a means of sacrifice and sacrifice was a means of worship. And it was there on top of that mount of God that God would provide a ram as a substitute for Abraham's son, Isaac. But it was in route up to that hill, up to that mountaintop, amen, that God would speak prophetically through the voice of Abraham, amen, and to Isaac, whenever Isaac asked, Father, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham would reply, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And that God did, not only through the ram that was caught in the thicket on top of that mountain, but also in the man Christ Jesus, whom God and Dwell that we're here celebrating this morning. Sacrifice. Bringing relationship and communion with God. It was through sacrifice that a person could have this, the device of sins in their life dealt with. Amen. So that they might have fellowship with God again. Can someone say amen? And so the apostle Paul brings all these things into perspective. We see in the Old Testament sacrifice and blood, animal after animal, life taken so man could approach God, so man could have fellowship with God. And the apostle Paul puts all these things in perspective. He was speaking to the church in Colossians and he says, let me tell you those of the Old Testament law, all the meats that you had, all the drinks that you had, all the holy days that you observed and the new moons and the Sabbath days. He said all those things were nothing more but a shadow of things to come and Hebrews even reiterates he said for the law having a shadow of good things might I emphasize even better things of things to come he said every sacrifice in the Old Testament was pointing to something better in the New Testament all the blood that was shed in the temple and in the tabernacle and on the floors and sprinkled on the altar all of that was pointing to something better in the New Testament he says the sacrifices were merely a shadow of better things things to come and so if that's the case this morning in the book of Leviticus a book that is littered with sacrifice and feast and blood it must have testified to the same that the offerings and the sacrifices of Leviticus was pointing toward something better something greater now I am probably some thinks I'm a fool to take an Easter message from the book of Leviticus 
You, don't, you just don't go. It, whenever you want encouragement, you go to the Psalms. You don't go to Leviticus. You don't eat. You don't sit at your, supper, your, your morning breakfast table and read out of the book of Leviticus the bloodletting of some animal. Amen. But this morning, it's, it's an unenviable book, Leviticus is, because it's littered with sacrifice. It's littered with offerings. It's filled with all these details about regulations and how this should be done and how that should be done. But in the book of Leviticus, the first seven chapters are mainly consumed with five sacrificial offerings. Amen. There's details given there about how the person offering it should, should, should go about it and guidelines for how the priest should go about it. It's, it's the running theme of Leviticus is this. How can sinful humanity... Approach and worship a holy God. And the answer is contained in the book, sacrifice. How can sinful humanity approach and worship a, a, a holy God? Sacrifice. And so sacrifice becomes the mediator between sinful humanity and a holy God. Sacrifice becomes the missing piece, if you will, to the puzzle. And that's the reason why Jesus Christ... In the New Testament, pictures Old Testament sacrifice so well. Because where the Old Testament sacrifice was the gap filler between sinful man and a holy God. Jesus Christ becomes the gap filler between sinful man and a holy God. He served both as the sacrifice and the mediator. The Bible says, we'll get there in a little bit folks. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.13, but now, everybody say now. See, we got something better now. We're, we're talking about something different than what was before. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off. Why were you so far away? Because of sin. Sin's a separator. Sin will keep you at bay from a holy God. Sin will keep you separated from a holy God. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by what? The blood. Of Christ, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What are you talking about? Because of Christ Jesus, him being the sacrifice, him giving the blood, him giving his body, he has bridged the gap. Where there was a gap, there is no more. Because Christ became the mediator, he became the sacrifice. That's what was better that was coming, that could only be illustrated through sacrifice in the Old Testament. Christ is seen all throughout the Old Testament. He doesn't just appear in the new. He's in the old. Every festival that they had, it was speaking about him. Every feast that they had, they were talking about Christ. Every Sabbath, every holy day, all the meats, it was all about Christ. Every ritual, it was all about Christ. Someone say amen. Now, chapter 4 of Leviticus, we see these, these details concerning the sin offering and its guidelines and how it pertains to the one that offered it. But in chapter 6, we see how this sin offering relates to the responsibilities of the priest. And whenever you start reading what we read this morning, the prescription is given in Leviticus 6, verses 24 and down to 28 that I had our reading from today. The Lord spoke to Aaron and his sons, those priests, and he basically told them this. He says, the place where the burnt offering is killed, he said, that's the place where the sin offering is to be killed. Both the burn offering and the sin offering, all of it is talking about Christ. The burn offering, all of the animal was burned upon the altar. It's a total surrender of the animal upon the offering. That was a picture of Christ. You had all of Christ that was upon the cross. 
Every bit of him. You see his hands wounded, his feet, his side, his head, the puncturing of his heart. All of it was a full surrender. But the concept was this, is where, there, where the total surrender takes place, that's where the sin offering takes place, which is total substitution. He says, where there's total surrender, let there be total substitution. Well, the sin offering speaks of Christ too. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I and was sacrificed on behalf of our sins. And he says, so where the full surrender took place, that's also where the substitution takes place. That sin offering is to happen right there instead for the people's sins. Now, no, there's a lot of things we talk about. How, how does Christ get pictured in the Old Testament? Most all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, there was a criteria for them. They had to be without blemish. Without blemish. When we go to the New Testament, we understand that Jesus was without blemish. He knew no sin. He was made in the likeness of humanity, yet he knew no sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Leviticus 6 that this sin offering, it is most holy. What did Pilate say after trying the Lord? He said, I find no fault in him. What did Herod say when he was under his jurisdiction? He said, I'm sending him back to Pilate. I can't say anything about the man. What did Judas, the one that even betrayed him, come to realize? Whenever he realized that he said, man, I've thrown over an innocent man in their hands. What's that say? No blemish, no blemish, no fault, no fault. Amen. They could do nothing to condemn this man. But the Bible says in Leviticus 6 verse 28, speaking of this sin offering, which is a picture of Christ as all sacrifices were. It says, but the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden, the sacrifice is sodden or cooked or boiled or baked, could stand for a lot of things, shall be broken. And if it be sodden in a brazen pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. Everybody say earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. Earthen vessels were vessels that were dime a dozen. Earthen vessels were plentiful. Earthen vessels were always available. And as a result of that, earthen vessels were cheap vessels. Earthen vessels were disposable vessels. It's kind of like the difference between your china and a paper plate at home. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, that paper plate, it's plentiful, it's available, it's disposable, and it's cheap. As compared to your china. You don't use it and then throw it in the trash. Well, maybe some of y'all do, but you know, you had a different class than I am. Amen. You use it and then you just throw it into the class. And so, so, so unlike brazen vessels, these earthen vessels were porous. They were without any protective glaze upon them. Uh, here just a few weeks ago, my wife made some roast potatoes and carrots. I think it was a Sunday or so ago. Now, I don't want nobody X in the building while I'm starting to talk about food. But see, she had some roast and potatoes and carrots and some juices happened with that stuff. And I was warming up some of that in the microwave on a paper plate. My keepers, that is almost like asking for trouble. That plate started to absorb all that juice. And I, I bring that plate out of there that was once flat. And it's kind of got this bow. Like I got a hammock between both my fists, you know, with, with meat on there. Because, because it has the ability to absorb the juice into the plate. Now, had I used a real glass plate, I wouldn't have had that difficulty. Man, that thing would have been firm. It wouldn't have taken on any of the juice of that. Well, whenever we talk about the difference between earthen vessels and brazen vessels, earthen vessels were 
porous. Earthen vessels were porous. Amen. They didn't have any type of protective glaze over them. And so whenever the priest utilized or used a brazen vessel or a, 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 a earthen vessel, if he used a brazen vessel when he was done, he just kind of scoured it and he rinsed it and it was all said and done. But whenever he used a, a, a earthen vessel to cook the meat, the flesh, and the blood, and boil the meat, the flesh, and the blood, he could not scour that vessel. He could not rinse that vessel. Amen. And so an earthen vessel, because of the porous walls of the vessel and the earthenware, if you was going to use that vessel for anything else except what the sacrifice was that was in it, you had to break the vessel. Brazen vessels, man, you can wash all day long. You can scour. But when we talk about using earthen vessels for the sacrifice, they had to be broken. And it wasn't because the earthen vessel was becoming defiled from the sacrifice, but it's because they had been made holy by the sacrifice. This was a holy offering unto the Lord that's in a vessel and it's cooking and it's being sodden as it were. And there's juices and there's fat and there's blood from the animal that's seeping back into the pores of the earthen vessel. So whenever you get finished, that vessel now has the integrity of holiness upon it. And it just can't be used for anything. Someone say amen. Now, brass, you can wash it, you can scour it, and it'll be okay. But non-earthen vessels, according to Jewish teachings, only when the holy was sensed to be tangibly present to some degree in an affected item, like an earthen vessel, was a transfer deemed to have occurred. In other words, if they could take that earthen vessel and reach back into those pores and do an analysis now of that dirt that that thing was made of, they're going to find traces of proteins of the most holy sacrifice. They're going to find traces of proteins and content of the blood that was in the sacrifice. And so that vessel now is not what that vessel was before. In other words, parts of the flesh of the sacrifice and parts of the blood of the sacrifice would get embedded in the walls of the earthen vessels because it had the ability to soak it up. It had the ability to take it on. And they were going to be now become too sacred. They couldn't be used for ordinary use. And once this has happened, there was a decision that had to be made. Boys, we're either going to have to break the vessel or this vessel is going to have to continue to be used for the sacrifice which is holy and sacred it can't serve no earthly purpose it can't serve no worldly purpose it's unfit for any other purpose except for the purpose of the Lord someone say amen in other words the vessel now would only be good for the flesh and the blood if it was a lamb that was sacrificed that earthen vessel now was only good for the flesh and the blood of a lamb and nothing else it wasn't good for anything else. It must either keep the flesh and the blood of the lamb or it must be broken. It's been impacted too much. It's taken on the attributes of what it's been touched by. It's taken upon the character of the holiness of the sacrifice. That can't be rinsed out. That can't be scoured out. That holy thing has become a part of the vessel and it would never be the same. Mm-hmm. Someone just say, mm-hmm. I said all that this morning to come to the New Testament scripture. 
In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul has been talking to the church at Corinth. And he tells them how much God has influenced their lives. How much God had influenced his own life by Christ Jesus. He says, sirs, I don't want any of us to think that we are sufficient within ourselves. Or that we're good within ourselves. He says, our sufficiency and our goodness, might I say, our holiness is because, and our righteousness is because of God. He said, listen boys, you can read it for yourself. He said, if the law and the sacrifices of the Old Testament was glorious, and they were, he said, then how much more? More glorious is the new and better covenant of the New Testament. If the old covenant and the letter of the law was glorious, how much better is the new covenant and the spirit of our God? In other words, if the sacrifices of old were glorious, how much more glorious is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament? If we clapped about that, we for sure need to clap about this. If we stood to attention because of that, we for sure need to stand to attention because of this. This is much more glorious. Now wait, he said in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, 18 then, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Everybody say changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of our Lord. You know what Paul said? Something's happened to me that's changed who I am. Paul's saying, I'm not what I was. Something's happened in me that I'm not the same as I once was. To follow it up in the next chapter to say, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul makes a connection for us in the New Testament. He says, you want to talk about earthen vessels? He says, that's who we are as humanity we're all earthen vessels he made a direct line for us in the old testament whenever the sacrifice touched an earthen vessel a decision had to be made it's either got to be broken or it's got to continue in touch and in connection with the sacrifice paul says in the new testament i'm an earthen vessel so i got a decision to be made i'm not worth for any worldly purpose i'm not worth for anything else in this world once i've been touched once i've been impacted once I've been affected by the power of God, by the spirit of the Holy Lord. What I'm saying today, once you contact the Lord, you are unfit for anything else. Once you contact God and God contacts you and his spirit falls upon you, amen, any worldly purpose is unfit to you. You've been made holy by his spirit. You've been made holy by his sacrifice. You'll never, never, never be the same. What you've seen paraded up here this morning during cardboard testimonies was the impact of being touched by a sacrifice. When you've seen one writing and then you've seen the other writing that contrasted the first so greatly, that's because that life has been touched by the body and by the blood of a sacrifice. And us being earthen vessels, we can't continue like we once were. We can't live like we once was. We cannot because our lives have been changed by the sacrifice. We've been distinguished. We've been set apart. We can never be the same. Yeah. 
See, just as the body and the blood seeped into the earthen vessel of the Old Testament, whenever the power of this New Testament sacrifice impacts your life, there's a part of that that seeps into your life as well. In so much that if we were to take and dissect you, woo, and dissect you and look over your life, we're going to find traces of his life. We're going to find traces of his life, his righteousness, his glory, his love, his peace, his joy in your life. Because when a sacrifice touches an earthen vessel, they both can't remain the same. Someone say amen. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, he said, if I go not away, said the comforter. John 14 tells us what that comforter is, which is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. He said, if I go not the way, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So I don't go away. This, this is not going to happen. He was speaking to them about going away. You look at the verses prior to John 16 and 7. He was talking about his death. He's talking about his burial. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about if I go not away. If I don't go away, then the spirit is not going to come. But Paul said it's his spirit that changed me from who I was to who he is. It's the spirit that impacted this earthen vessel in so much that it changed my attributes and my characterization to be like him. But that can only happen. I can only receive the spirit. And it can only come. If there's a sacrifice. Oh yeah. Of his body and of his blood. That is made. Someone say amen. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's talking about. If I go not away. If I don't die. If I'm not buried. If I don't become the sacrifice of the New Testament scripture. So the spirit will not even so much so we read the average Jesus resurrected from the dead had yet and descended into the heavens as it were to officiate in the office of priesthood to offer his own blood in the heavens Mary was around seeing him cried out to him once he tell Mary Mary don't touch me yet because I'm not yet ascended done the office of priesthood with, with the blood that came from my body. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.15. We already read verses 13 and 14 earlier. But it goes on and says this. Concerning about Jesus Christ being that mediator. The one that closes the gap between sinful humanity. And, and the holy God. He says having abolished. This is Jesus. Having abolished in his flesh. Jesus' flesh. The enmity or the enemy. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. He says that I. I abolished, I abolished in my flesh the law. In my flesh, I abolished the law. <laughs> Whenever the Jews drained blood from an animal, they were not to eat meat with blood, although it's virtually impossible to take away all blood from meat. Whenever they drained the blood from the animal, and they have the most effective way, still yet today, of doing that, of, of cutting the throat or the victim 
of, of sacrifice and allowing the heart to beat to propel the blood that's in. I'm not trying to be gross. To propel the blood that's in the body from the, 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 the sacrifice or from the animal. The most effective way. However, to a professor of a certain college, he states that about 60% of blood is lost through sticking or through the bleeding effort. 20 to 25% remains in like the spleen, the liver, and the lungs and such like. While a maximum of about 10% may remain in the carcass muscle, which is what we call the meats. Arby, we have the meats. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it's what we call the meats. And so not only was sin, the enmity of the law abolished in his flesh, but there was also the blood. Where the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 22, and almost all things, speaking of the Old Testament law, are by the law purged with blood. That was a good shadow for speaking of something of a better day. And without the shedding of blood is no Remission. We have the body that abolishes, if you will, the enmity of the law, but we also have the blood that brings the remission of sins. That's great in the Old Testament, but it's all, if you will, coming to full circle in Jesus Christ. He had a body and he also had the blood. And you and I, though, are simply earthen vessels. And here's the fact earthen vessels, plentiful, available. Humanity. Plentiful. The numbers are increasing. Available. And everyday life teaches us that we are disposable. And we're capable of being broken, Brother Terry. And many times we have been broken. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Leviticus eleven thirty three, and every earthen vessel wherein to any of them falleth. When it speaks of them, it's speaking about unclean beasts or unclean things. Whatsoever is in it shall be unclean, and ye shall break it. It talks about earthen vessels can even be impacted by unclean things. That if unclean things touched an earthen vessel, that vessel also had to be broken because that vessel would not then be able to be used for anything else except the unclean. Thank God, though, when we come to the Lord, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That which was tainted by the unclean in the first vessel, that's all right. Break it, Jesus, and make me a new vessel and let the sacrifice touch me whereby I can become holy and undefiled and righteous in the sight of God. Someone say amen. So clean things can sanctify earthen vessels. But if they didn't maintain their purpose for the sacrifice, they had to be broken. They had to become a glorious treasure in an earthen vessel. If you'll stand with me today, I'll come to a close. In Hebrews 10.10, 10, it speaks of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ speaks of the body. It speaks of the blood. It says, by the which will we all, will we are, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's amazing to even consider and think of it. 
that Jesus Christ, that the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His sacrifice can touch our life and leave you never the same. The one who remains the same can touch your life and leave you never the same. The one who never changes can affect a life with change and perhaps the greatest change in your life that you'll never be the same. So to wrap up, the concept is this. All throughout the history of scriptures, sacrifice always pointed to Christ. Sacrifice, every sacrifice was pointing to Christ. Every bit of blood that was ever shed was pointing to the blood that he would shed. But likewise in Leviticus, where it speaks of the earthen vessel that's affected and touched by the sacrifice, that it had to be broken because it wouldn't be fit for anything else except the sacrifice. So likewise us, Paul says, we're earthen vessels that once our lives have been impacted by Christ, we're good for nothing but Christ. We're good for nothing but him, for him, with him. If we bow our heads in this place this morning, we'll never be the same. There may be people here sitting here today that's saying, Brother McGee, that's great. We're, we're glad to be here with you on this Sunday morning and such. I'm saying there's a possibility that through the course of the service, whether it's been a song that has been sung, cardboard testimony that has been shared, that the ultimate sacrifice in the New Testament of Christ Jesus, our means for being here and for celebrating today, may be starting to impact your life, may start impacting your life. Maybe you felt a little bit of something. Maybe you feel like you need that change or that new direction. I'm telling you that this morning, Christ did die. He was buried. He did resurrect. He did go into the heavens, and he sent back his spirit. On the day of Pentecost, there was every bit of 120 by days in, 3,120 that received that spirit. That spirit that Paul said has the ability of changing someone from who they are into the glory and the majesty of who he is. I'm here with good news this morning that change can still happen and that change is still available he's still sending and pouring out his spirit upon mankind whatever your road of life may have been up to this point in time i've been an earthen vessel there's many of us there's many of us some have already been disposed but if god touches your life you'll never be the same if god influences your life you'll never be the same you can't just wash him off you can't just, you just can't scour him out. If he comes inside an earthen vessel, he's going to have an impact upon that vessel. He's going to change the characterization and the attributes of that vessel. If you need that type of change, if you need that type of alteration in your life this morning, Christ is here with his spirit. This is the reason why we do what we do on Easter. This is the reason why we do what we do on Resurrection Sundays. Because we want people to know that wasn't just a day sometime in the past. But that was a day in the past that still influences every day from there forward. Including right now. Amen. That his spirit, his power, amen, is capable of changing lives still yet today. I don't care how far you have gone. I don't care if you say, Pastor McGee, I've been defiled. That's all right. He has the ability 
ability of making all things new. He has the ability of making all things new. These altars are open this morning as they begin to sing and play. If you need that change in your life, Christ is wanting to put his spirit inside of you. Change you from who you are to who he is. He wants to give you his spirit. He wants you to be impacted and influenced where you realize that you're never the same and never shall be the same. Hallelujah. you got to either be devoted to him or let this vessel be broken. I'm unfit for any other purpose but the Lord. Hallelujah. Will you come today? Amen. If you don't want to come to an altar of prayer, you might sit or kneel right where you're at. Or you could just raise a hand this morning saying, Pastor, I need that change. I need that alteration. I recognize that God is here this morning. He's here today. These altars are open. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.